Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Welcome back to the show. As a condo investor, you might not realize how a new condo is launched and all the behind the scenes work that goes on with the developer, the architects, the designers, the city and the local authorities, the sales and marketing team, etc. There's a lot of moving parts that have to come together before a project ever sells a single unit. Now, a huge part of that is the sales and marketing company that the developer hires to sell the building. They usually have a great deal of input into the design of the building, the suite mix, the floor plans, the finishes, the amenities, and the marketing plan, and of course, the prices themselves of the units. Now, what you also might not realize is that in Toronto, there are two huge companies that have most of the market share of the whole industry. They sell mostly, you know, nearly all the major condo buildings in the whole city. So my guests on today's show come from one of these big companies and now they're branching off on their own and they're starting their own boutique sales and marketing company that uh, is going to compete directly with the big boys. So Johnson Cheng and Shab Rajabzadeh are the partners of Cornerstone Marketing, which is coming strong out of the gate with its uh, very first ever project, really. And they're going to be handling the sales and marketing for Menke's upcoming new tower at Young and Eglinton, which is simply going to be called the Eglinton. Johnson and Shab previously handled sales for several other very successful projects, including Harbor Plaza, 365 Church, 87 Peter Street, and many others. So I sat down with Johnson and Shab, and we talked about their new company. They gave me some insight into the sort of behind-the-scenes of the sales and marketing of a new condo project. And we talked about the Young and Eglinton neighborhood and specifically the new Menke's building. So for all the show notes on this episode, head on over to truecondos.com slash cornerstone. And now here's my interview with Johnson Chang and Shab Rajabzada. All right, great. Thank you very much, guys, for being on the podcast. Really appreciate your time today. Looking forward to chatting with you about uh, the condo market here. Oh, absolutely, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Andrew. Great. Um, now, why don't we just start by, you guys can introduce yourself. Johnson, why don't we start with you? Um, maybe tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. How did you get started in real estate? And how did you sort of, uh, what kind of things have you been involved with in your career until now? Okay, perfect. Um I'll try to steal that in about 60 seconds. I started in real estate about 20 years ago. Uh, back in 93, after graduating from uh, Queen's uh, MBA in finance, I ventured off into Hong Kong. Uh, that's where I got my first taste of real estate. And I've been doing real estate in Hong Kong for about 10 years, working for various builders, working with different classes of uh, properties, from commercial, industrial, um, shopping malls, conversions, um, estate homes. And then back in 2003, I had the opportunity to come back to Canada and work for a builder named CoinCordadex. That was my first venture into the Canadian real estate market. Um, after four and a half years there, I served in Calgary working for another builder. And then in 2010, had the good fortune of coming back to Toronto. And my first project back here was Chas Yorkville. Um, from there on, I've done multiple projects. Um, notable Peter Street condos. I did 1000 Bay, 
went into the shops at Don Mills of Cadillac Fairview, did the flare project. Um, then we went into working on Fabrique. And then, of course, in 2013, we launched 365 church condos. And then riding right on that back was uh, Harbor Plaza. And then early this year, we venture into 87 Peter Street, which was the uh, rebranding and the reshaping of what used to be called Noir Condos. Uh, so there's been a lot of excitement in, uh, in the real estate front for me. Great. That's great. And Shab, why don't you, same thing, Shab, uh, if you could just tell us a little bit about uh, your background, how you got started in real estate, and uh, what kind of things you've been working on until now. Well, I can't go uh, 20 years back like Johnson okay. did, but I can tell <laughs> Not you. many of us can, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I can definitely say that uh, I actually began my journey as a purchaser. I had originally bought a unit back in the day um, in North York where Shepard and Young is, where uh, the Shepard, uh, I guess, cross, uh, cross-sectional subway line is, as well as uh, 401 was. So at okay, that time, so when was, was that? Uh, maybe about 10 years ago or so, okay. 11 years ago. And what building was that? Uh, 4968. It was the Ultima Towers by Menkes, as a matter of okay. fact, funny enough. Um, I actually bought my first unit there with my OSAP money. A lot of people thought I was crazy to take on the risk to do it. I believed in the market. I uh, had a lot of family involved in real estate in the past, so I've learned. I was mentored through, so I ended up uh, taking the dive then. Did some homework, learned a lot about it, started building a passion for it at that time. So I bought it, did really well uh, with it, and since then um, I ventured off into finance. I did underwriting finance, uh, lending side for Wells Fargo Finance. was an American lender when they were in Canada at that time. And from there I got into the broker side of uh, lending construction financing, homes, and things like that. And soon after, I met Johnson in 2010 when I met a gentleman who introduced myself to Johnson at Chaz and Charles and started my uh, journey from there on. And ever since then, um, fallen in love with project planning and uh, project marketing. It's been a great uh, journey since then, and now things are changing uh, very well towards a good direction. That's great. So, um, yeah, maybe, how did you guys get together? I mean, you've, you've known each other since 2010, and now we're, you're starting this new company, Cornerstone Marketing, which is going to be marketing and selling, uh, I guess, primarily condominium buildings. And we'll get into that in a minute. But maybe tell us a little bit about the story. How did you guys meet and get together and start this uh, company together? What was the genesis of that? Well, I mean, Johnson uh, went back on his... Uh history and his CV as to how he got into Toronto, how he came back to Toronto. And 2010, actually, Johnson was uh, the sales and project manager and the VP at Melbourne Real Estate, and he had launched that project. And when I had come in at that time, I was a sales associate, and actually he started mentoring me through, and that's when I fell in love with it. Since then, we built a very good synergy together and worked together, and he's step-by-step, I guess I can say that I've been suctioning off all his uh, brain power, all his information from him, and working together. Well, I think it all stems from having the common interest and passion in real estate. So what is that? Like what, I, I what, think, do, you guys, what do you guys excite? Like what excites you or, or what passion? Is, how do you describe your passion for real estate? What's exciting about it for you? I think what we do and our passion is creating a product, shaping a product, and creating a need for that product, and then delivering the product to the end buyers, whether it be investors or end users. And our passion and satisfaction comes in having people bought a unit and then come back and say, that was a great decision. Um, I love the way this whole plan works. 
it works into the way I live, and I like the thoughts that you guys have put into it, and the care into really delivering good, efficient plans. I think part of what I've done before is always looking for a niche and always going for the, the perfection. I think we never reach perfection, but in the process of trying to strive for that perfection, we come up with some really good products. Um, so that has always been the founding uh, tenets for the way I work. And what I found really interesting working with Shab is he has a lot of passion for real estate, and I see a little bit of my younger years in him, and I just, it, we just click. And we just felt that this is something we want to dedicate our lives to, and it has so much meaning because real estate for a lot of people is the single most biggest investment in their lives. And it is a vehicle for which they could really aspire and fulfill their dreams. And so we are creating dreams, we're creating opportunities for people to realize a much higher goal so they could better themselves, they could provide their families, and in the whole holistic scheme of things, it is a very good venture that we're, we're doing. I would definitely agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe for people who don't know, like, take us a little bit inside the process of... Uh, uh, from the marketing and sales side of it, your side of it, um, uh, representing the builders. Take us behind the scenes a little bit. What what do you guys actually do? What are the key things that you do? <laughs> what we actually do? Before you I bring mean, a project to market, I mean, uh, you mentioned um, talking about floor plans and making really efficient floor plans as yes. being a major thing that you, you strive to do. Now, some people may not realize, some of the people listening may not realize that as the marketing and sales um, team, uh, that you're actually involved with that. It's not just the architects who, who come up with something like that. So tell us more about that and what do, you, what, do you, what do you do before you launch a new project? Well, I think it all goes back to the name of Cornerstone. When we first envisioned this, what we do is we bring down to the fundamentals as to what makes a great product. We go back to the fundamentals of the pillars of marketing, being the product has to be a good product, it has to be properly priced, and you have to have adequate promotion and the placement, how you deliver that product to the end buyers, investors, or users. So we the look four through P's. the four P's the four of marketing. <laughs> marketing so piece. for those of us who, uh, who did marketing courses or whatever. The marketing four, yeah. 101. <laughs> That's right. so, so it's real life. <laughs> it's real life. And it's going back to my marketing books from my uh, bachelor's degree in marketing and just bringing in the fundamentals. And we thought, what better name to call it Cornerstone because that is the major tenant that any project should be built upon. That is the founding principle. You gotta have a great product. So do you sit down, like what do you do? Do you sit before, months before a project is on the market, you sit down with the developer, the architects. Right. What kind of discussions do you have? What, I what mean, do you talk about? Initially, we look at the area. I think we try to understand the area, uh, develop a passion for the area, and really see what that area's uh, end result will be. So you start with the location first. Absolutely. So I mean, the old location, location, location. From a marketing side, it, it, starts, it all starts there. It's the same parallel as you would be as an end user or investor looking at, a, at, a, at a, a buying a project or at buying at, at a home. We look at location, try to understand what the offerings are there. And then you would probably try to emphasize and focus on those things when it comes to actual planning aspect of it. 
So our next step would be going, breaking, break, going more deeper into the planning and design aspect of it and going from there and going to the four Ps that Johnson pointed out. I think those would be the fundamental steps into our process. With now, do it. you guys do you get involved working with the city in terms of approvals and and zoning and uh, density and heights and all that, or do you just come in after that's all I been mean, established? At our initial stage, those are pretty much predefined for us. Yeah. So, for any builder developer, they would actually have the parameters of the density, the height restrictions, the setback, um, all those things that pigeonhole what could be built on it. And then based on our market analysis, we interpret it and say, what will the future hold for that particular location? Uh, what will be the driving demand factors? What are the type of products that will be needed in a couple of years down the road? Again, Andrew, we're talking about pre-construction, which takes a cycle of about five years. So we have to look in the crystal ball and look at what, to, what today is, what was it before, and where the future holds. And we try to get a product that is in line with what the buyers wants and needs. Okay. So let's take it from the theoretical now and let's bring it to the practical. And that let's talk about a real example. So obviously, um, I think I can share with everyone that Cornerstone, your company, has the contract to, to do the marketing and sales for uh, Menke's new upcoming project um, called the Eglinton. Correct. At Young and Eglinton. So... Tell us about that. Let's let's start with the location, Young and Eglinton. Why somebody's thinking about making a condo investment this year? Why Young and Eglinton as as a location? I mean, Young and Eglinton itself has a lot of uh, history to it. Uh, when I look at Young and Eglinton, uh, first thing when we were reviewing all this and we were uh, blessed by getting this project, we looked at Bloor and Young. You got to dig in. Sixty years ago, what happened in Bloor and Young? The cross section of the subway line and the and the development process involved there and the number of people are buying into it. Now you look at it from years ago where it was trading about $200 a square foot and now it's trading around $900 a square foot in the market. You realize the growth potential. For me personally, I step back again and I look at Shepherd and Young. You only have one subway line going from the Young uh, Shepherd Station all the way east to where Bayview Village is. So you're going from Young Street to Bayview. You see even a lot of development going to that extension of the subway line. Then you step back and you look at Eglinton and Young. What we have is the LRT there, the subway LRT system, which is a great thing to have uh, because the uh, m- majority, I think, is actually underground. and it's, uh, it's 19 the, kilometers. 19 kilometers. So, I mean, it's a great thing to have an extension going to the east and to the west. The midtown Eglinton will no longer be midtown to those listening. in. It will be part of the downtown core. The midtown is moving up to Shepherd and Young now. You see the emerging condominium developments. There is a reason why developers are all flocking towards that area. Transportation, transportation, transportation plays into your location. Um, it's important mainly because I look at you know, not only just transportation, but the lifestyle in the area. You have a lot of stores in the area. You have a lot of shopping, access subway north, and south, east, and west. And what you also have very important is the housing in the area. When you're purchasing condominiums, also pay attention to the housing. If you look in that area, you have the Mount Pleasant area, right? Nice home, very expensive, very well established. Eglinton, uh, Chaplin Estates, Forest Hill. So Young and Eglinton actually is surrounded by some of the best, most valued real estate in Toronto. Okay, so the, the freehold homes, you're talking about the low-rise homes, yeah, uh, 100-year-old homes, most of them in the area, are 
are selling, you know, average price of somewhere around a million probably. Absolutely. Uh, so how does that explain that, expand on that a little bit? How does that affect you? Why do you think about that as a condo investor looking at an area? Well, what a does, condo is different yeah. from a house, right? So absolutely, absolutely. That's where the pricing gap comes in. What a lot of people and, and will see in the press is that for single detached homes, average price is about $680,000. And the average price for a condominium is around in the low 400s. For the entire GTA. Exactly. And that's the most recent report by RealNet. And then, so you're looking at around $250,000 price gap between my affordable single detached around that price versus a condominium. And it's because of that pricing gap that has forced a lot of developers and to go into condominium developments because we are delivering, and we meaning all these developers as an aggregate, a solution for a lot of people who want to create their own homes and build their own families and have their own lives, but they cannot afford the 600 somewhat thousand dollar single detach. Or in our particular area here, the gap is even more because it's around north of a million dollars. So that price gap will persist and keep driving the need for condominiums. Okay, so so basically you're talking about the, the fact that uh, if people want to get into particular areas, young and young and Eglinton, for example, um, they don't ha- if they want to purchase a home there, they're either looking at a million dollar home or if they can't afford that, which is most people, then now you're saying the condominium market is... A $400,000 condominium will give them a solution. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Good alternative to have. And the lifestyle mm-hmm. as well is very attracting for the young and Eglinton. Uh, and what's interesting is when you look at this price gap is that if you roll back the times for about four years ago, the price gap between the single detached and the condominium average price in GTA, is, it was only $100,000. So within the last couple of years, that pricing gap have outpaced to 250000 now. And that is significant. So the price gap between the condos and the houses is growing. Um, and one of my previous podcasts, uh, we talked about how uh, there's sort of the, the price for homes is setting the floor price for condos, really. Um, so that's, uh, that, that's a great point to, to think about. Anything else you want to hit on in terms of Young and Eglinton location? Like, what else do people need to know about? Okay, the, so the LRT's coming in there. Your, your shab you alluded to. It's sort of like Young and Bloor, uh, Young and Shepherd. It's that new yeah. transit hub. What else do people need to know about Young and Eglinton? When you look at the entire transit line as to how that has transformed Toronto, we got to look back in the history as to where we were to know where we're going. You look at the Bloor line, it has linked up the entire GTA from east to west in phenomenal impact. It has transformed how people live. It has transformed how business sectors have grown and sprawled out. In the same manner, Eglinton, it runs very linear. It is one of the few streets that will cross from east to west in its entirety. You look through the maps in, in, in Toronto, that is astounding. And what you will find within this 19-kilometer stretch of the subway LRT will be various pockets of growth areas of commerce, business centers, medical centers. And around these small pockets will be an uprising of new condos. 
where people will say that I could live here, I could still be accessible. But all the while, when you're looking at the intersection of these two major arteries, and we call this a new hub now, this is where the entire province of Ontario is directing the growth directions. It's not just the city of Toronto, but the entire province of Ontario have this growth uh, strategy, the smart move, to push a lot of developments, a lot of infrastructure, and that is all part of, because what we find in the Young and Eglinton is a very well-served school network. It is an established community. It's nestled in with a lot of an enclave with a lot of really good, good subdivisions, good, good communities, and this is just poised for growth because you have all these alignments. Everything is just right for a lot of growth potential. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the school part uh, aspect is a big point on that area. Top, some of the top schools in Toronto exist within that domain. Right. So uh, if, people are, if people own condos, uh, if, you, if, if someone purchases a condo at the Eglinton, um, what's, are they going to be able to access those schools the, that we're talking about? Yes. I mean, the region, right? Yeah, it is within the uh, school board system. There is also private schools, Catholic schools. So it's, it's the intersection of a lot of good education systems that we have and we pride ourselves in, in Toronto. Um, and that's something that is in, in some way lacking mm-hmm. in the downtown core. Yeah. So do you see, I mean, talking about affordability, talking about condos in you know traditional areas with great schools, do you see... Uh, do you see families moving into condos? Do you see high-rise living as eventually the new way of life in Toronto? Absolutely. I think, um, take my case, for example, I grew up and I was born in Hong Kong. It wasn't until nine years old that I came to Canada. That's when I really saw a soccer field that's made out of grass. <laughs> in Hong Kong, unfortunately, I was playing soccer on cement fields. Right. Um, so that is something that is you know, is part of my culture, part of my heritage, that I grew up in apartments. And for a lot of people in Hong Kong, that's how they live. Mm-hmm. They live in apartments. Yeah, I mean, the market's ever-changing. Um, condominium lifestyle, people are liking, people are adopting to it. Uh, if you're within my uh, age group, you are living in a condominium, or you're enjoying it at least until you decide to have a family. And if and when you do so, you tend to just look for larger space. Mm-hmm. And touching on that... I mean, Eglinton is that building for that area that will allow for that change. So you can evolve in that building, in that location, which gives you access to the parks, to the schools, and the right designs that Johnson touched on mm-hmm. to accommodate growth. Right. As well as, I mean, you got to have the right... The, so the right plan for a family has got to have uh, size, it's got to have space, but it's also got to be at the right, right price. Think very practical in, in, <clears throat> in this sense. The Eglinton is definitely more of a practical uh, touch on, on that project. So... Um, obviously, nothing's been finalized yet, but are you going to have larger, affordable units in the building, like family-sized units? Is that something? Well, that- actually, what do you mean by family size? I think the fallacy is that larger is better. Um, I particularly don't really subscribe to that because that only creates a lot of lazy architects and just cram a lot of space without a lot of thought and care into the functionality. I actually look at smart plans. I actually want to make sure and we drive the plans in terms of functionality that you could do more with less space. Mm. Um, when you look at your living environment, you look at the things that you do, you always look at it from a functional point of view. 
what can I achieve in that space? Storage opportunities, space that could be multi-purpose, where you can accomplish a lot of things in a confined space. I think that is where the market is heading. And I think that's good for the market as a whole and great for consumers because they're getting more and more bang for the buck. More bang for the buck, right? Yeah. Right. Talk about efficient floor plan. Um, let me ask you this again. Put on my skeptical investor hat and say, well, guys, you know, it sounds like an interesting project. Menkes is a great builder. Young and Eglinton is a great location. But um, there's so many projects that are happening at Young and Eglinton right now. So um, can, can the market really support growth in this area? What do, you, Absolutely. what do you say to that? I think of all the markets, um, I mean, within that particular sector, of all the projects that have been released as currently available for sale, 82% of them have been sold already. So in terms of availability of inventory, there's only 18%. Um, that is a, is, is, is a large, large um, difference from a lot so of the submarkets. So it's a bit of a fallacy to some people who think that there's tons of projects and condos available at Young and Eglinton. What you're saying is actually it's 82% not. of those projects are oh, sold so out already. Right. Exactly. And some of the ones you may see right now have the cranes up and going, right? So those were so pre-sold four years ago. So if you look at the Eglinton, you're looking to purchase in this project, you're looking four years, five years down the mark. So 2019, essentially, you'll be looking at that time. In 2020, you have the subway LRT finished. So, I mean, this was somewhat, uh, I, sometimes I feel like it's strategically planned by Mencas sometimes to make sure they hit these dates, right, mm-hmm. so that the right group of investors or end users get the opportunity to have access to these sort of amenities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think part of the selling feature is the subway LRT. And for us to bring a solution to the buyers where you have to wait a couple of years before you can enjoy that, that's not really in the contemplation for Mencas. They really want to deliver good products that people can use. And some of the points that we've touched on so far is really speaks to Young and Eglinton as an established community. Um, there's no shortage of projects around town, but when you look at it, sometimes buyers, investors, or end users are called to sacrifice. They have to wait for the infrastructure. They have to wait for the park system. They have to wait for the schools to be built. They have to wait for all these stuff. At Young and Arlington, you don't have to wait because everything's already done for you. Right, so it's really, it's not really an up-and-coming area. No, no, <laughs> it's not up-and-coming. You're, bu- you're really buying into established a very established neighborhood. All the, the infrastructure is great today. It's only going to get that much better yeah. once the LRT exactly. is sort of that missing piece of the puzzle to make it that uh, major, you know, GTA hub. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a two-phase project for the subway LRT, right? Extending uh, far to the east and uh, west. But the second phase, I think, uh, is supposed to go to Pearson, I think. It's supposed to touch to Pearson. That's the second phase, right. linking up to the airport. Right. So, I mean, they have thought this through. And so you're going so to be able to go from Young, Young and Eglinton by transit to Pearson Airport directly. Yeah, I mean, they forecast it will take about 40 minutes in total, 30 to 40 minutes, right. yeah. So, which is a great proposition because mm-hmm. um, it will really tie in the entire city together um, with the airports. And that's one of the things that Toronto has been lacking for the longest time is having a good transportation system that links it to the international airport. Yeah. What else can you tell us about, I know, again, it's early, no details are officially <laughs> out there yet, but just to give any people listening a little bit of sneak peek, what can you share with us about the Eglinton, um, this new building by Menkes at Young and Eglinton? What, what else can you share with us? What, 
What details can you give us? Anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's important um, when we venture into this particular project to, inter- in, to try to dream and see what will be the state of the world in 2020. So we're looking about six years down the road. Where will we be? And I think what the future holds for us is that there will be a lot more savvy and discriminating users. So let's not differentiate whether you're an investor or end user. At the end of the day, it will be users who will be using that space. And what they'll be looking at is we are offering a wide assortment of different product types. And I often use the analogy of having, for example, like a car, a Mercedes. And you see that happening in the car industry where a major manufacturer would have a different line. They would have the A-series, B-series, C-series, E-series, S-series, and it's the product line proliferation that a lot of industries are going into. I think in 2020, it will be similar to that where the savvy user will really fine-tune what their needs are. So you're talking about the condo buyer. Condo yeah, the condo buyer, buyer user. condo user, condo renter, they'll be going to marketplace and say, "Very specific." I uh, want a one bedroom where I can put a decent sized bed, and I need a walk-in closet. Um, that's what, that's something that we're working into the plans. I need something where my den could use as my home office, and also for my out-of-town guests. So the convertibility of my den is important and the den having three walls as opposed to just lying along the hallway. So we want to create these type of functionalities in the space for our users. Absolutely. I mean, living in a condominium, I mean, when you're entertaining, you have friends over at times, you don't want them to use your bathroom. That's on your ensuite at times. Mm-hmm. A second bathroom option is always a good thing to have. And going back to Johnson's point in 2020, I don't think you have to wait till 2020. I think it's happening right now. Okay. People are going buying condominiums and asking for this uh, second bathroom, powder room, convertible dens. I might want to have someone stay over in my uh, in, in the den. It's a large enough space. So I think functionality is important. We look at practicality when we look at uh, working with, uh, with certain projects to make sure that it's suitable for the area and it's practical for the people in that area or willing that are moving to that well, area. Well, let me ask you that. I mean. Uh, compared to uh, the, a typical downtown tower, how do you do you look at things differently at Young and Eglinton in terms of how you plan the suites and the the suite types, uh, the size of the units versus being downtown? Or do you say, you know what, we're on the subway line; it's we're going to basically use the same criteria as we would downtown? It's very much similar in one respect. Um, we are not as confined in terms of sizing. But having said that, we haven't ignored what the future really demands are. I think affordability will always be paramount and also functionality always be paramount, whether you're in downtown or at Young and Eglinton. So we don't want to dismiss and just because we are not in on Young Street, we want to blow up the sizes. No. But rather we look at the space critically as to how to offer more functionality in that space. Something that we've done at the Eglinton is to create very interesting amenities. And we've looked at amenities for quite some time now and saying, well, is the basketball court the way to go? Is the tennis court the way to go? Um, How do you create more in the 
amenity space mm -hmm. for the people to enjoy it even more. So one sneak peek is that at the Eglinton, we will and we have contemplated for younger families. Mm -hmm. So there will be special zones, active creative zones for the kids. Okay. And we are seeing more and more because we work in downtown. We're seeing more of these young families with kids. And what better location than Young and Eglinton where there's such a great infrastructure of education systems for the young families to start bringing up their younger, younger um, children. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that we've contemplated and worked into the program. Okay. I mean, sorry, one final note on that is that um, looking at Eglinton Young, um, it's also a tech area. Not a lot of people know about it, but I think LinkedIn and Facebook are actually located there. And another sneak, sneak yeah. preview or sneak peek yeah. to Eglinton, the core of the building is fiber optic. Okay. So it's a lot of people look for those things to yeah. have good so Wi-Fi connection. what does that mean, fiber optic? I mean that the service provider that comes in later on will have better, uh, I guess, um, transfer rates for, for they, they the connectivity. They will get broadband yeah. connectivity. Better speed. Which is yeah. much, it's, which, which should be very important for a lot of people that are, you know, everybody's on their laptops and phones and things like that. Yeah. So personally, I know that is important uh, to a lot of uh, end users because I am one. <laughs> Great. So that's another feature to distinguish it from, from uh, other buildings around. Um, that's great, guys. Um, thanks for sharing all this great information with us on the building. Just to wrap things up, is there, is there maybe a question, something I like to ask people, is there a question that no one has ever asked you about with respect to the condo market or res with respect to um, your company that you wish someone would? And what, what would be your answer to that? Mm. I think I've filled a lot of questions about our company so far, but one <laughs> of the more interesting ones is they have asked, you being a new entrant to this marketplace, where do you see yourself in the next five years? So tell us. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, we As both... a new player in the, in the high-rise condo <clears throat> game, uh, as on the sales and marketing side, where do you see yourself over the next few years? I mean, both Johnson and I come from a humble background, and we want to maintain that uh, culture in the company and, and, and grow. Um, it's similar to how Johnson has mentored me through my tough times and learning through this whole process. I would be doing the same, which I've already started mentoring others to grow and make sure that whatever they do, they have the right interest in mind. When it comes to uh, you know, developments, product, locations, working with builders, we really take on a hands-on approach. We're very different from other developers where, you know, uh, other companies, excuse me, um, that you know that may be in our industry, uh, that don't take the hands-on approach or take that academic background, apply the four piece to the project marketing. Um, so I think that's something that uh, I think that really uh, changes us, and that we want to continue that into the future. Um, staying lean and mean, I think, is the way I like it. I think it's staying real. Yeah. I think what is really lacking is the ability to have a sensibility of doing the reality check against yourself, knowing that growth. You can't earn all the money in the world. And if you don't really love what you do, having all the money in the world won't mean a thing. And so we want to instill the passion. We want to find like-minded individuals to join our organization that will grow and also see the same vision of helping developers deliver good products so that it's a betterment for the entire industry. That's great. Well, I wish you all the best of luck, well, guys, in, uh, and congratulations again on starting the new company, Cornerstone. Sorry, what's the official name again? Cornerstone Stone Marketing Realty. Cornerstone and we're full-service brokerage. Great, and full-service brokerage. 
So um, if people want to find you guys online, uh, what's what's the best way to get a hold of, uh, well, the company or yourselves personally? I well, think the best way would a, be LinkedIn. We have our LinkedIn uh, webpage. Okay. Uh, I myself have my LinkedIn profile. Okay. We're on Twitter. Yeah. Um, all the social media platforms, we are there. Okay, great. Absolutely. Okay, thanks again, guys. Right, Appreciate thank your you. time. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Okay, there was my interview with Johnson and Shab. I hope you enjoyed that, the guys from Cornerstone Marketing. If you'd like to learn more about the Eglinton, the project that we talked a lot about in this interview, make sure you go to truecondos.com and subscribe for updates on that. To check out the show notes for this episode, once again, head over to truecondos.com slash cornerstone. And there you're going to find links to everything that we talked about on this show, a transcript of our interview, and uh, more details there. Okay, that's enough for me. If you like this show, I would really appreciate if you leave me a review on iTunes. Just go to iTunes on your computer and leave me a review there. They're greatly appreciated. Okay, bye for now. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.